Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Hello and welcome to the UK Tech Weekly Podcast in our new earlier in the week time slot. Hope you enjoy some uninformed tech chat earlier in your week this time. So today, to help me do that, I'm joined by our group production editor, Tamlin McGee. Hello. And the editor of Tech World, Charlotte G. Hello. We're going to be talking about lunatic Nigerian pirate hackers. Um, we're going to be talking about some cutting-edge racial profiling technology. And uh, we're just going to have a little chat about what Elon Musk has been up to this week, as per usual. So, on with the show. Tamlin. Hello. Uh Nigerian pirate hackers. Uh, we published a story a whole month ago now, 18th of April on Computer World UK, uh, about these lads, what they've been up to. So, uh, I got to write my uh, pretty much my favourite intro I've ever written for Computer World, so I'm just going to start by reading that out, because it sums it up pretty nicely. Uh, a criminal splinter faction from a pirate symbology-obsessed Nigerian confraternity has been running business email compromise scams for hundreds of thousands of dollars targeting the global maritime industry. According to security researchers who have been tracing the Gold Galleon group and trying to derail its scams in real time. And what that basically means is, uh, in the 50s, there was something. There was a movement in, in Nigeria that got formed called uh, the confraternity movement. And it's roughly similar to how you might imagine frat groups to be in the US now. But originally it was groups of uh, Christian lay people uh, who were organising uh, on anti-colonial lines uh, and they were interested in social justice and things like that. Now one of the first ones was called the Pirates Confraternity but there was a splinter group from that called the Buccaneers Confraternity. Uh, and some security researchers from SecureWorks in their counter-threat unit team found a splinter group from that called Gold Galleon, which <laughs> has been exclusively targeting the maritime and shipping industry. So how did we get from the point of like broadly Christian, quite moralistic fraternities of uh, students in Nigeria to a genuine band of hackers? Uh, it's a long and strange story. I'll try and give you the... Uh, a few brief points of interest in the history of them. Uh, so another group called them, calling themselves the Black Axe Confraternity uh, conducted a massacre in 1999 at a university in Nigeria. Uh, in the 1980s, these confraternity groups were 
often used by the uh, ruling military clique to crack down on student activism violently. They were heavily armed and so on and so on. So like criminal elements have been around these groups for a while. Uh, but the Buccaneers on their website say they're interested in social justice too. Uh, on their media section, they've got a, a post that says they deny kidnapping anyone, so that's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> and then um, there's, there's stuff about how they support uh, the Red Cross Society and, yeah, I know. <laughs> the Red Cross Society and what else? Uh, Diabetes UK, out of all the charities they could have chosen. Uh, anyway... These, the guys at SecureWorks uh, found that there were similar attacks going along in the maritime and shipping industry, and they joked amongst each other, wow, it's like they're pirates or something. And it turned <laughs> out that this group was largely obsessed with pirate symbology, and they would refer to each other uh, as if they were pirates, and um, all their iconography is sort of pirate-related. Yeah, so in a lot of their sort of group chats and Facebook groups and stuff like that it's they, they refer to each other as like uh alora sea lords is one yeah, of them good one. Uh, a facebook post by them opens with maximum respect to all rugged buccaneers <laughs> i'm using this medium to inform all sailing rugged lords that the voyage to the creative cyber island shall begin on the third legs of fourth moon for the rugged nyben that still want to jazz in with us the board is still opening they say so uh, this story this story is pretty wild um <laughs> i i i love it um so the the guys from SecureWorks obviously sort of stumbled stumbled into this um d- did they ever sort of come to a conclusion that these guys are specifically targeting the maritime industry because they basically see themselves as cyber pirates they didn't i mean they, they found all that stuff later on but i mean it's it's reasonable to conclude that's what happened i guess what they were actually doing was running something called a business email compromise scam, which sounds uh, like an incredibly long and uh, lengthy way to say email scam. Yeah. <laughs> but it was quite sophisticated. What they were doing was targeting public websites of uh, maritime and shipping companies, including smaller ones called something called a uh, cash-to-master service, which mm-hmm. basically is a way of outsourcing payments to ship crews. So say if your ship docks a, a port where you've got no employees, you'll pay a company to go deliver the crew's money. Yeah. They've usually got armed guards. So they found a bunch of these. Uh, they targeted the public websites, and they used email scrapers like Boxer Mail, which is a legit marketing tool. Then they extracted all the contracts once they were in. They used remote access Trojans, or RATs, uh, and... They mostly had uh, key logging things integrated in there as well. Uh, they use Predator Payne, Pony Stealer, Agent Tesla. These are all things you can buy on the dark web for as little as $12, so anyone with a will to use them kind of can. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they'd monitor email exchanges once they had got themselves into you know, a, a contact's email address, once they'd logged in. And they'd monitor for legitimate transactions and then insert themselves in the middle of them. And that's where they tried to uh, extort large amounts of cash, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, so they're really taking advantage of what is clearly a complex and not the most efficient industry, which is the maritime industry. That's right. Yeah. Um, Maritime's about 15, 20 years behind like enterprise IT in terms of security. Uh, Lots of complexities, like you're often dealing with different companies that don't speak the same language, different time zones, people who aren't necessarily very IT literate. So it's kind of ripe for targeting, and it's, I guess, why they've been targeting them as well as being obsessed with pirates. When you say uh, they put themselves in the middle, how did they do that? Like, how did that appear to the person that was being 
um, attacked. Well, because they had managed to log into a legitimate email address for these companies, it was as if they were getting a reply from uh, the legitimate company. Right. But really they were saying, oh, could you actually transfer this money to this bank account? Mm. Did people, how long did it take for people to, or did, did they ever notice that that was suspicious? Like the amounts sound really high. Yeah, a few of them did notice it was suspicious. Yeah. There's this one wild story, one of the researchers told me uh, he was monitoring this, uh, this exchange as it happened, and he was in the account as well, and he was sending emails to the victim saying, don't trust this, don't trust this, it's a scam, blah, blah, blah. And the guy who'd hacked the account was saying, oh, ignore that email, it's just someone who's hacked the account. Mm, yeah, that, that <laughs> must... Really brazen, like... Yeah, that must make the, like, the person receiving those emails feel pretty insane, actually, because, uh, yeah. yeah, what on earth do you trust? Right. And there's very few security controls around it. Like the small companies often don't use two-factor authentication. Mm. They're running Windows XP. Mm. Once their password is out there, anyone can get in. Like probably some of their passwords have been leaked on public sites like um, Have I Been Owned. Mm. So yeah, crazy story. How much success did they have with this little scam before SecureWorks kind of blew it up? Well, so the three case studies, when I interviewed SecureWorks about this, all three of them were derailed. and I think two of the cases, the companies recognised that it was suspicious and had already flagged it. Mm-hmm. And the third one, uh, SecureWorks managed to get to them in time uh, to warn them, and the recipient was appreciative of that. Mm-hmm. But there are also times when um, SecureWorks was ringing up these companies and saying, you know, you've been hacked. And they were like, this sounds like a scam to me. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, obviously, like, who who can you trust in this, in this ridiculous... Uh, world there so like what when they so they didn't have a great amount of success by the sounds of it um are they are they still kind of are they still at it or have they got to now change their target because they've been there was a lot of press around this actually um aside from your story um and it, it sounds to me like they were going for some large dollar amounts as well when they were mm. when they were finally um trying to pull these scams off i i don't know if they're still going i know like a pretty common tactic is to use spray and pay just t- try and target as many organizations as you can and some low-hanging fruit will, will go for it yeah um so I, I can't tell you how successful they've been but you know they might still be doing it under a different name their organization was really interesting actually it wasn't like a completely top-down hierarchy mm-hmm. it was more lateral uh they seem to have one particular person who acted like a father-like slash mentor type figure who they'd always ask for advice like oh when should I ask for the money etc etc and he was a deeply religious dude as well like there was loads of religious phraseology on his windows desktop and he was always saying like send prayers let's hope this works uh so still that christian element in there (laughs) I guess yeah it feels feels slightly tenuous but I mean yeah yeah is that is that kind of typical of hacking collectives? Are they more sort of a, a band of, of sort of rogue individuals or, or do you get some like, would like Anonymous or something have more of a leader? I mean, it, it varies so much. You get like state-sponsored ones, which are where hacking groups are allowed to operate. You've got, you've got um, organized crime units that are highly sophisticated and operate out of offices just like we would yeah um except they're they're in countries where this sort of thing is tolerated so they can kind of get away with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you also get like i suppose with anonymous groups like that that's a lot more like they're they're kind of very decentralized aren't they and there's a lot there's a lot more kind of based on on belief and ideology than than kind of that's right anything else yeah the motive is different yeah. for, for most of these groups the motive is money yeah uh but for anonymous i guess they're 
motive is uh, propaganda or PR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Nice. Anything else about the about the pirate hacking lads, or uh, was it just sort of uh, one of those one of those stories that, that comes about every now and then that that just seems like a bit of a treat? It, it kind of blew me away. It's one of my favourite things I've written for us just because it was so strange and had like such deep, rich history to it as well. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I imagine you went down a bit of a Wikipedia rabbit hole at different points of that. I did. I started uh, searching the different confraternities on YouTube and they've all got their own theme songs and like T-shirts and stuff. Yeah. You can Google them and look up their Facebook pages and, you know, all these different groups are quite active and uh, it's a culture completely different to what I'm used to. So it's quite interesting mm. to, to dig around and look at that. Yeah. And sort of pulling back the curtain a little bit, like how do like SecureWorks go about stuff like this? Is this just good PR for them as a as a sort of um, a security researchers? They they've sort of blown something up here. They see it's interesting. Are they are they looking for the good press basically? I mean, probably. But to be fair to them, it is pretty interesting. You see it a lot with a lot of vendors. They'll find some uh, particular incident that's creative or interesting, and they'll they'll PR the hell out of it because. It's a great story. Like I was just reading today about something last year where a um, casino in North America somewhere had its entire database leaked by an uh, internet-connected fish tank, sending that data back to yeah. uh, Finland. And like that's, that's a great story. You want to read about it. So I understand why Darktrace in that case did PR. You know? I've seen that story get propagated a lot. People yeah. love it. It's like basically now the, the shining example of IoT security mm not being good right, why, right. why you shouldn't connect a fish tank to the internet yeah part one <laughs> but i think what's more interesting about these guys is the strange organization and organizational structure i mean uh email scams have been around since the dawn of email but uh how these guys were going about it was quite unusual i guess yeah yeah were they targeting individuals were they trying to um were they doing this sort of classic phishing thing uh, some of it seems to be seems to have been highly targeted, so they'll decide right we're going to go for them. But also, as I said, like they were scraping emails and extracting all the con- contacts from those email address books. So they were also doing the whole spray and pray approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Uh, I would normally at this stage of the podcast go around and and do a zany question where I give you two options whether it's good or bad but I don't think you can really do it with this I, I, I think you should do it <laughs> uh, I was gonna do what was I gonna do I was gonna maybe say Pirates of the Caribbean or Gold Galleon because Pirates of the Caribbean is a film <laughs> what would that be Pirates of the Caribbean being which one's good it never good, we never we never know which one's good okay well We're no not, that's fine not adding value judgments onto these no uh, frankly, I support them. I think it's yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, big, doing big fans work. of their work. Yeah, fantastic. Gold Galleon all the way. Nice. Yeah, I don't want to say it, but yeah, Gold Galleon. <laughs> I'm not. I like. I don't often get to say this, but I'm not nerdy enough to to know the answer to this. But I think Gold Galleon is actually a currency in the Harry Potter universe. I wonder if that's a a direct link. To... That's quite possible. We need so to investigate this. They're, they're not really obsessed with piracy. They're obsessed with witchcraft and wizardry, mm. maybe. Mm. Yeah, they probably predate it anyway. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, good chat. I'm going to take a little two-minute, two-second break, and then I'm going to come back and talk to Charlotte. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Charlotte? Yeah? Uh, what the Russians been up to this time? Well, basically... We all know that kind of facial recognition is a big sort of burgeoning area within within tech. That partly thanks to Apple uh, launching its, its face ID uh, thing, which is very popular. Um, and I suppose it was only a matter of time until we found an organisation that said we can actually identify someone's ethnicity from their from their face. Um, and that is exactly what's happened with a company that are called Entech Lab that are, as you say, Russian. Um, but let's not hold that against them. No. Um, but they previously... They, they, they are let's Russian. judge them by what they do. By what they do, but not yes. What, but why not, they not, are. not who they are. Yeah, they, they are Russian, but their marketing office is in New York and they have won prizes in the US as well. They're generally fairly well regarded from what I can tell. I want to add that this, this conversation is basically based on me looking at some tweets rather than something I specifically know a huge amount about. That's but basically I guess, what I do for a living. Yeah, that's pretty much it. But I guess the reason why I just talk about it is obviously this brings up some huge uh, ethical implications. Yeah. Um, like, should this exist? Probably not. Um, How can this be misused? Yes, yes. So yeah, so that's that's what's is going on. I'm I mean, guessing uh, if they if they've got that sort of US Russian um connection and if they're, you know, quite techy then I I'm, I'm assuming there's probably a, a a university kind of connection in there. Yes. Um they might have been researchers at a US university and then sort of spun it out. I don't I don't know enough. So, yeah, I am not sure, but I, there is definitely a there is definitely a university link there, but I don't know whether it's exactly the one that you say. But yeah, yeah. They, they they are based on kind of fairly their, their technology is, it seems, genuinely fairly cutting edge. Yeah, it's um, just maybe slightly uh, misguided. Yes. So were they promoting this or did someone 
find out about this and go, wow, what the hell? I think, I think it was found on kind of like a website, uh, a, a section of their website, and maybe I think I saw some slide deck thing as well. So this is basically something that they're going out and trying to sell to clients. Mm. So they're, they're trying to get people to buy uh, software that can recognise someone's ethnicity from their face, which... I guess would be well. I don't. I, I. don't know. I'm trying to think of some examples. I mean, I'm thinking of the Policing. TSA, uh, airport, yeah, TSA. A- airport uh, thing. Seems to be a big, big area where people do quite openly. Sometimes I've noticed racially profile passengers. Um, that is your invite to the US revoked. No, yes. If anyone, I know. if anyone listens to this podcast, it is sad. But you do. But yeah, you, you do sort of sometimes. Like, I don't know, This I was standing behind a Muslim family recently that were going back through, uh, not through the US, actually through Denmark. And I, sh- I didn't even think about it. But actually, if I had thought about it, I might have realised they're going to scan way more of their stuff than everyone else's. Yeah. And they did exactly that. And it's actually slightly, slightly painfully predictable. But um, All right, I've got loads of yeah. questions here because um, I think my main question is why... Do you need a piece of technology to do racial profiling when TSA agents can do racial profiling perfectly well on their own? Mm, yeah, well, this is, that is a very that is a very good question. I mean, the thing that's scary about this is that it opens up the door to this being done on a mass scale. Yes, I think that that is the thing that's kind of slightly terrifying. I don't know. What do you think, Damon? Do you have, do you have I'm, thoughts? I'm looking at a Gizmodo article right now. The headline yeah. is, Study finds predictive policing no more racist than regular policing. Yeah. Just to say quite racist. So yeah. maybe this technology will help them you know, increase that. What yeah. was the thing recently <laughs> that was like that um, uh, Liberty have been really fighting back against? There's, I think the police have been looking to implement some facial recognition when there's like uh, rioting or any sort of form of organised um, resistance. Yeah. Uh, and there was a real big pushback against that. That was just basic facial recognition to obviously yeah. like cross check with databases. That was fingerprinting. Yeah. That was fingerprinting. fingerprinting. Yeah. Okay. But it's yeah. um, kind of all much of a muchness when it's in the hands of the police, I think. Yeah. And there also, there's been a lot of controversy recently around the gang database in, in, in London because basically it's about 80%, I think, minority ethnic, even though that is significantly higher than the amount of actual people who perpetrate gang-related crimes. So it does seem to sadly be kind of really baked into the whole process. Beyond uh, policing, I don't really know. Uh, p- potentially, I don't know, ab- advertising? I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, sure. very, I mean, very possibly. I'm trying to think of a positive use case for this technology. <laughs> I don't know if their website maybe makes some positive suggestions i'm struggling i'm struggling to i'm struggling to it's hard because obviously this is only early days and we don't really know the full extent of this although it's it's very hard to think of a context in which this is anything other than really troubling i know pretty bad all around yeah it's it's, it seems like a perfect example and we come across this all the time in our line of work of um a piece of what sounds like quite effective cutting edge technology mm. being completely misguidedly mm. packaged and tried to be sold in it's like that whole oh we've achieved something here um let's try and use that without having even one second to think about whether that's yeah. a good idea or not just because we can should we yeah i mean I, I interviewed a company at web summit last year called affectiva who do emotion recognition software 
which is which is quite interesting. And they, I mean, that is being used for uh, certainly for advertising, looking mm. at how adverts make people feel. But they said that they had been approached by security services and had turned them down to try yeah. and sell their software to them. I think it's just another example of why uh, the conversation around ethics and AI needs to be a really big picture wider society thing rather than up to uh, mm. each individual company because you're always going to get a business that thinks oh no one's doing this I can do it even if everyone else is going to hate the idea of it mm, mm. yeah I know I agree I mean there's been some talk about kind of pe- people have spoken more recently about sort of algorithmic accountability which is quite an interesting idea and for example we don't we don't really understand I mean this is slightly deviating from this topic but we don't really understand how facebook ranks things on our news feed still we know that it's kind of family it goes quite hard but we don't really have any insight into how these things are being shown to us and why and so perhaps there needs to be some kind of oversight i don't know well there, yeah there's that there's always been that lack of transparency there in terms of the algorithms but then there's also mm-hmm. the concern where um we saw last month that facebook just did a big reorganization of its whole product team um, so everyone in a senior position responsible for their product, which is WhatsApp, um, Instagram, Facebook, mm. Messenger, etc. Uh, that team is is wildly yeah. non-diverse. Yeah. It was something like um, 90% male. Yeah. And, and the problem being is that the, those guys are responsible for making product design decisions, but they all have one kind of perspective no matter mm. how intelligent or good they are good at their job they are they mm. still kind of are bring, coming at it from the same angle so that is another sort of concern yeah there. yeah it kind of links into wider lack of diversity in the tech sector there's a fairly famous book we've probably all heard of called weapons of math math destruction mm. by mm. kathy o'neill and that does talk like you said about um accidental algorithmic mm. uh, problems like racist problems being baked in because silicon valley is so white mm. yeah uh, but the difference here sounds like they're doing that deliberately yeah yeah no no i know this this is this is it's hard to see this as being uh benign in a way um i i presume kind of it's something that i i'd imagine some governments would be interested in looking at but i don't really know exactly how it would be used it did it slightly kind of beggars belief that that it it actually exists but you know that's the world we live in that's the world we live in but I do think it's an interesting point about whether or not these things reflect kind of wider gung-ho-ness around tech and also a lot of people have said that perhaps we need technologists to study history and philosophy and ethics and actually understand the wider context of what they're dealing with I don't know yeah I don't I'm sure that might might not hurt the picture on their website um selling this product is is utterly utterly terrifying yes. i think um if you if you want to see it go to charlotte's uh twitter profile because she's retweeted it but yeah it's basically a picture of six people isn't it in a row with yeah. like that weird like face mesh thing that yeah. people in silicon valley like to use um <laughs> and then it just has like a little tag above them saying yeah. like african. white or african or arab yeah uh and when you see it in that context it you could only be like terrified and yeah. kind of appalled by it. Yeah, and also, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, she says this isn't the main point, but also, I don't really know how accurate that could be. No, like, I, I mean, how do you know? For example, like someone who, like, when you look at the African category, mm-hmm. like, you couldn't necessarily categorize someone from Sudan as looking anything like someone from Somalia. No, 
So it's like, so that's a huge category to try and put people in. And also that broadness um, is another concern. It's like, if, you, if you're happy categorising in that broader sense, then what exactly are you trying to achieve here? Yeah. I mean, basically yeah. it means whites and non-whites. That's whites and non-whites, yeah. Well, this is the thing. So, so, so it kind of, yeah, it, it's... It's, it's troubling on multiple fronts, but the kind of, yeah, the way that they're trying to categorise people. I mean, it almost reminds you of like the British in India trying to kind of categorise different different castes and stuff. So it is, it's quite a scary, con- the whole way that that's approaching ethnicity is really troubling, actually. So, yeah. It will be very interesting to see if this company gets any blowback and if they kind of shelve this product. Yeah, let's watch this carefully. Entech Lab, we're on to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah, if, they're, they're if they're high profile enough to, to be... <laughs> worried by that at all yeah 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 i mean are they are they real they are real um yes i have looked into this they do they are real (laughs) i have Um, done that amount that's a lot of research i have sorry i I do have more confidence in you than that no no no, that's okay and actually it is a fair point because it's not like there definitely have been a few different companies that have launched things that actually it's just done to basically Mug off, tech journalists. Get attention. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this this is this does appear to be real. Yes. I mean, what is real these days? Uh, let's not get into that. Um, so yes, this is scary and kind of worrying. And I just thought I'd flag it because it's another example of how we're using tech to probably make the world a worse place. Yeah, this is like one of those stories um, that kind of always gets attention, like within the newsroom, because it's one of those things that's like what is this? Mm. This seems so badly thought through. Mm. And then it w- we'll, we seldom will sort of dig into it because it's just mm. one of those sort of tidbitty stories. You know, it's not Google doing it. Yeah. But Google could be doing it. Yeah. Um, they have the biggest sort of image library on the planet. They have like 2 mm. billion images in Google Photos now, which they are using for training of yeah. um, models. So obviously Google wouldn't be as stupid as to like just release something like this well i think well maybe they could but the thing well the thing i would say is a part of the issue is the uh actual database that they're training these these algorithms from usually is mostly white guys yeah so so that they're not actually the the um algorithm that they're training doesn't necessarily learn to recognize other faces so yes there is kind of that that troubling aspect as well so yeah there's it's, it's just an interesting kind of nexus of tech for bad meets sort of lack of diversity meets sort of shock factor so yeah interesting cool um i don't have a uh i don't have a snazzy uh question or or nice segue but we're gonna talk about um tamlin's mortal enemy uh elon musk because uh, he's been in the news a lot this week curse him curse him yeah uh he's been in the news this week um starting with uh the met gala um, as a slight aside uh, I don't think anyone really knows what the Met Gala is mm-hmm. um, it just seems to be like a just red carpet yeah. that goes to nowhere and then it gets loads of reactions um, because you get to see um, people wearing stupid mm-hmm. outfits or you get to see the latest hot couple um, which is of course uh, tech, uh, yeah, tech billionaire Elon Musk and um, Canadian electronic musician Grimes I did. Did everyone know who Grimes was before this happened? Yes. Oh, for I didn't. Sake. But Tamlin is aware of her work. Another situation where I'm not sufficiently down with the kids. How much younger than him is she? Um, I don't know. It's got to be a lot, right? I think. Yeah. 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 Um, they made they made quite. Just a, that. <laughs> they made quite an interesting. Um, they made quite an interesting couple on on the red carpet. Is it, just going back to the Met Gala? Is that the thing that's 
Does Anna Wintour do that, or is that the one that Seal and Heidi Klum do until they know they got divorced, didn't they? Okay, no, just ignore me. I don't know what I'm doing. He is 16 years older than her. Uh, okay. Elon Musk is 46 years old, and Grimes is 30 years old. Mm-hmm. Fair. So now yeah. we know. Good, for, good yeah. for Musk. Good for Musk. I mean, we know with we know with Elon that it's probably not going to be a, a long lasting relationship. No, he. Yeah, I know. Bless him. Oh. Uh, on a more serious note, um, he. Um, did his classic Twitter thing uh, this week where someone basically criticised him for starting a uh, sweet company. Yes. Um, is that, a, that's, and that's a real thing. I know nothing about it, but he did just like do that sort of must. I'm going to set up a candy yeah. shop. Uh, apparently on an investor call, he, he said uh, one of Warren Buffett's theories, uh, economic theories was lame. Uh, I think, I'm not sure that was the word he used, but that was basically mm. what he meant. Uh, I can't tell you what the theory was off the top of my head, but uh, basically the idea of him starting a candy shop or candy business came out of this back and forth between him and Warren Buffett. Brilliant. Mm. Um, but it, it, then someone sort of criticised him for that, said that why can't you do something um, that would have more of a positive social impact? And his response was, oh, don't worry, I'm going to use all the dirt that we excavate while we're boring tunnels under LA to make cheap bricks for low-income housing. Right. Okay. To which Are I saw... Are still selling those bricks? It's not well, just giving f- them Yeah, away. I saw a few tech journalists respond saying, oh, yes, of course, access to bricks is the problem. <laughs> I mean, with- it doesn't matter how many bricks we've got if avocados are still uh, on the menu. We're always going to be plumping for those, aren't we? That's, yeah, that's yeah. true. I know, it's true. It's like bricks, avocados, which one? I just, yeah. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it, I don't know. This is all, it's all very odd. I mean, and it also seems, I, if I was, I, I obviously he does have backers and investors, but wouldn't you feel slightly concerned? Because, I mean, Tesla has had some quite significant problems because it turns out setting up a car company is one thing, but scaling to a full production level car company is actually yeah. really hard. Never mind rockets and so on. He also, uh, so he's kind of messy. He's not really like he needs to kind of crack that one before he starts going on with the bricks. He's also a complete jerk to his workers. He won't let them yes. unionize. Yes, t- yeah. Um, they, there's some really, really bad stories about yeah. about Tesla. Yeah. Did yeah. you see? Um, he renegotiated his pay packet the other day. Oh yes, he's paid himself. How much has he paid himself? Well, no. So it's it got it got some slightly misleading headlines, but still, he um, renegotiated his compensation package um, to the point where if he can scale Tesla to be a six hundred and fifty billion dollar company, mm. it's currently a forty five billion dollar company. So that's quite a lofty aim. Yeah. Um, he will then be paid um, the record bonus ever for an executive in the world which yeah. would be 20 billion dollars yeah it's a big if though isn't it it's a huge if. <laughs> like yeah i i don't know i you know i sort of feel a bit i feel pretty ambivalent about uh elon musk really because i did get signed off by a board though yeah you've just got to ask i know but the oh the thing the things that boards have signed <laughs> off around the world i don't know i feel there's part of part of me that's uh i think like a lot of people kind of oh wow what an inventive person and then there's part of me that's like Oh, just what an absolute douchebag! I don't, I don't know. I really feel, I feel quite torn. I quite enjoy looking at the kind of like the Falcon Heavy SpaceX launch. Quite, I love a bit of space. Yeah, but then yeah, he's just clearly a bit. He's clearly not in touch with the real world at all. Is no, he? he's Bond villain. No, well, yeah, exactly. He basically is. Get this response to the criticism about unions that Tesla issued. In our view, what they p- portray as investigative journalism is in fact an ideologically motivated attack by an extremist organisation working directly with union supporters to create a calculated disinformation campaign against Tesla. 
Mm. Musk does this a lot. So Musk actually refers to the press a lot as sort of being puppets for his like opponents. Yeah. Um, like and his he, employees who are trying to unionize. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. He he well, yeah. he's very very critical of the press in quite scathing terms um, on a very regular basis. Well, he had didn't they have an earnings call where he said to an analyst something like, "I don't want to listen to your boring questions anymore." Yeah. Um, it's like so, a manless, isn't he? Big man baby. Yeah, yeah basically, yeah. <laughs> With loads of money. I know. I just, I don't... I, he is strange. There's actually a really good interview that was done with him. I wish I could remember where this was published. Um, that, that was quite interesting. He's he's clearly a, quite a volatile person. Yes. In fact, I would go as far as say, I think he's actually quite troubled. And probably could do with more, with some some degree of help. Not that I want to like analyse him from afar, but I but I do think. He well, I think the key here is that he doesn't. He there's no oversight no. of Elon Musk. So Elon Musk is the top of the tree everywhere he um, operates. He's yep. clearly um, he clearly backs himself quite heavily, especially from a intellectual perspective and he's he's extremely well compensated mm. so um it, it's got to be difficult for someone like that to keep themselves in check yeah and also you've got like a fawning i mean there yeah. is a lot of the tech press is completely fawning over over elon musk so you know there must come a certain point where i, I imagine I, I don't okay again i'm not going to psychoanalyze him but you would imagine that there must come a point where you're being told by everyone you're great where you must start actually believing it and thinking like yeah i am completely invincible and amazing i think we should just put him on a self-driving bin to the sun do you want to talk about him getting absolutely owned um by a comedian on twitter um, basically, Briefly. yeah, Existential Comics is a webcomic that uh, talks about existentialism, work, uh, workers' rights, and things like that. Uh, very active on Twitter. Uh, one of the people who ran that account got into a public Twitter spat with Elon Musk, who uh, denied that he was publicly subsidised. And so Existential Comics made a comic about him, which yeah. is very good. It's very much mm. worth going and checking out, especially if you, like you dislike Elon Musk's personal brand. Mm. So he, what's he publicly subsidised uh, for at the moment? Tesla. Tesla. Oh yeah, of course, of course it is. What about his solar power business as well? Oh yeah. yeah. Solar City? That's it. It's yeah. funny actually, because there was the Sunday Times Rich List came out yesterday, which had a little dig around. And Got a new number one, didn't we? Yes, I know we do. We fracking. Do. Yes. Lots of money in fracking. Excellent, excellent to know. But yeah, it's amazing how many of these people actually rely in some form or in some of them, actually completely directly on public subsidy, like Richard Branson, who basically yeah. has just got rich through being given money by, by the state. Which is odd, because we don't call them for that, you know, we don't call them basically benefit claimants. So the American taxpayers, are, are they funding Elon Musk to run around and tweet wildly and create flamethrowers and candy shops? And, <laughs> and date 30-year-old and Canadians. And date 30-year-old Canadians. <laughs> yeah. That, that's what they're doing. Yeah, it? I know it is. Yeah, that is, yeah. So it's, it's kind of bonkers when you think about it that way. You seem oh, very... Late stage capitalism. Yeah, I know. It really is uh, is a wild ride from start <laughs> to finish. <laughs> all right, we're going to wrap it up on that note. Um, good to catch up on, on all things Musk yeah. every now and then, I think. Um, it's, been... it's also good not to talk about Facebook for a week. Yeah. Uh, even though we could have. Uh, so, yeah, thank you everyone for joining us in our news time slot. We will be trying to... Uh, publish these a little bit earlier in the week um, gives us a little bit more time to uh, kind of internalise what happened the week before uh, and that is what we're going to be doing from now on uh, so thank you everyone and don't forget to like us subscribe tell your friends cheers UK Tech Weekly Podcast 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.